seeking to follow Jesus, we often wander down the wrong roads. Impatient with God's schedule, we rush off to do things our way. Let us confess our foolishness that we might receive God's hope for our lives. Your words are given to us, author of life, so we might be reformed, but we are intent on changing others. Your words are offered to us so we might be transformed, but we are focused on conforming to our culture. Your words are spoken to lead us into new life, but we hold our old ways tight to our chests. Forgive us, God of wonder. Do not remember our sins, but continue to touch us with your steadfast mercy. Show us how to be persistent in living out our faith, even as you were so tenacious in offering us your grace and life in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Jesus reminds us that we are to be resolute in our lives of faithfulness and service. The good news is that God is steadfast in filling us with love and grace. We are forgiven people. May we live as siblings in Christ, God's children in word and deed, in hope and joy. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, kiddos, are you ready? And Brittany, all the adults, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen. <laughs> Noah's not here to help you out there, Eve. going to contend with the wind a little bit up here. That's all right. I don't know about you, but um, when my blood sugar is low and I really need to eat something, I can get hangry. And it is not pretty. It's really not pretty at all. I also tend to cave um, when I'm hungry, especially when it's coupled with being tired. And I'll just say it, my kids know this. And they will try to use it to their advantage, which I suppose is to be expected, right? Now, I'm not saying that my children are evil or intentionally tempt me. However, this is the same situation that the devil tries to take in our text for today, which is Luke 4, 1 through 13. After Jesus' baptism and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and before he begins public ministry, he was led into the Judean wilderness outside of Jerusalem. I have not been to this area of the world, but apparently it is surprisingly beautiful. It's characterized by breathtaking views. Mountains, cliffs, hills, and plateaus carved with riverbeds and deep canyons. There are tall cliffs on the eastern edge 
of the desert that reach a height of a thousand feet above the Dead Sea shore. It is also sparsely populated with very few settlements around its edges. This rugged and desolate landscape has been known to provide refuge and a hiding place for zealots and rebels. It is also a place of solitude. But in this solitary place, Jesus is not alone. He is filled with the Spirit. Here in the wilderness for 40 days, he ate nothing, and he was tempted. The Greek word in our text for today for tempted means to try whether a thing can be done or attempt or make a test. So that can be either positive or negative. The story depicts, though, the devil tempting Jesus, and no matter what we might believe about the literal existence of the devil, what is clear is that Jesus's experience is toward temptation to sin, that which would miss the mark of what God intends. And this story in Luke mirrors that of the, of the Israelites' wilderness story, where Israel is tested and rebelled. They were in the desert at Massa, which in Hebrew means tempted. And according to the book of Deuteronomy, three things happen in the Israelite wilderness story. Israel is allowed to hunger, to learn that one does not live on bread alone. Israel is instructed to worship the one and only God and not to follow after any other God. And Israel is commanded not to put the Lord God to the test. These three elements show up in Jesus's wilderness experience as well. And there's a lot that could be said about this story, but I want to focus our attention today on how Jesus, filled with the Spirit, is settled to resist. In the face of the enemy, he holds on to a deeper truth. And when I considered this story of Jesus's temptation, I was reminded of the words of Sojourner Truth who said this, I feel safe in the midst of my enemies, for the truth is all-powerful and will prevail. So we might ask ourselves, what does Jesus know to be true? Well, he clearly pulls from previous teaching recounted in the story of the Israelites in the wilderness. In other words, he draws on what he knows in his head. He does not cave when he might be hangry or tired or repeatedly tempted by this rationalizing if-then pattern that, that the enemy spews at him. If you are the son of God, then. And then, if you will worship me, then. And again, if you are the son of God, for it is written, even, using what Jesus falls back on, then this will happen. But Jesus' response is, it is written. It is written, or it is said. Jesus is settled by pulling from what is grounding and familiar to him, what is written or oral tradition, what he was taught and knows to be true. In other words, he goes to this as a reassuring place in his mind, 
which leads him into a posture of resistance, to resist that which is false and slandering or opposing to God. And while drawing from what we know to be true in our heads in the face of false claims and slander and that which opposes God is important, let us not miss that Jesus also taps into what his body knows to be true. He pulls from his experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the resilience that has been built up in him by virtue of who he is and what he is called to do into the future. Most notably, I believe that Jesus taps into what Resma Minicum in his book, My Grandmother's Hands, describes as the difference between clean pain and dirty pain. And in order to help us understand a little bit about um, this definition, I'm actually going to read an excerpt from the text so that you have a place to draw from as well. Resma says, there are two kinds of pain, clean pain and dirty pain. Clean pain is pain that mends and can build your capacity for growth. It's the pain you experience when you know exactly what you need to say or do, when you really, really don't want to say or do it, and when you do it anyway. It's also the pain you experience when you have no idea what to do, when you're scared or worried about what might happen, and when you step forward into the unknown anyway, with honesty and vulnerability. Experiencing clean pain enables us to engage our integrity and tap into our body's inherent resilience and coherence in a way that dirty pain does not. Clean pain hurts like hell, but it enables our bodies to grow through our difficulties, develop nuanced skills, and mend our trauma. In this process, the body metabolizes clean pain. The body can then settle. More room for growth is created in its nervous system, and the self becomes freer and more capable because it now has access to energy that was previously protected, bound, and constricted. Dirty pain is the avoidance, blame, and denial. When people respond from their most wounded parts, become cruel or violent, or physically or emotionally run away, they experience dirty pain. They also create more of it for themselves and others. He continues to say later on in the text that clean pain is choosing integrity over fear. And I think we can see this clearly in the story of Jesus. Jesus is not ruled by fear. At this point, you're probably thinking I have totally forgotten to read the text, but I promise you I have not. We are getting there. I actually want to invite us this morning to walk through one of the body practices from my grandmother's hands. This is a way to put ourselves in Jesus's place, to learn from him as he settles his body to resist. So as if you are in Jesus's place in this story, I want you to pay attention to how the spirit settles you. Consider then the implications for us to resist the forces of evil together as we caravan on this journey of faith. Now, 
I recognize this kind of thing is not some of your favorite sort of practices to engage in. It may feel a bit awkward and we might have some resistance to it and that's okay. You all have a piece of string. Um, I don't think Matthew got a piece of string, but y you look comfy, so just sit tight. You can use your imagination. And those of you um, joining us on Zoom can also use your imagination a bit this morning. If you are comfortable doing so, unless you're like really hunkered down and really cozy with your blankets, um, you are also welcome to stand and kind of spread out a little bit, maybe throw your mask back on for that. Um, but I want you to take your piece of string and I want you to create a circle around yourself. And I want you to create it uh, big enough that um, you would feel comfortable if someone comes up to the line, maybe not in pandemic mode, but you know, if someone were to come up to this line that you would feel it was an appropriate distance from yourself if you're standing in the center of your circle. Folks on Zoom, if you would like to shut off your cameras while we do this, that is fine as well. If you haven't already, it can be a little bit awkward. Uh, so feel free. Most people can't see you except for those of us on Zoom and me who can stare at you. Um, but I'm not going to stare at you, so whatever. So you can use your imaginations. Draw a circle around yourself. And place yourself in the center of it. Hopefully I cut your string large enough. Some of you may have teeny tiny circles. All right. And let's, um, let's just take a moment in the center of our circle to take a few deep breaths. You can shut your eyes if you wish. Now I want you to think of someone that you know who is caring and supportive. Someone who brings you to a reassuring place or state of being. It might be a friend, a relative, a neighbor, a partner, a friendly acquaintance, possibly the person that came with you. And I want you to visualize this person walking slowly in your direction toward your circle. As they cross the circle's edge, pay attention to what your body experiences. Does it relax or constrict? Does it want to move forward or backward? Does it want to reach out or protect itself? or potentially move in some other way. Now I'm going to ask you to clear your mind to take three or four more slow breaths Now I'm going to read today's text to you. 
which of course includes the devil who is not caring and not supportive. As I read, I want you to place yourself in Jesus' Jesus's position. And I want you to imagine the devil crossing your circle's edge. As I'm reading, pay attention to what your body experiences. Okay, does it relax or constrict? Does it want to move forward or backward? Does it want to reach out or protect itself? Or maybe move in some other way? Take note of any images, sensations, emotions, impulses, or thoughts that arise in you as you hear the story. And don't do anything about those images, just simply take note of them. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you and to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until the opportune time. I want you to take a few more deep breaths. And take a moment of silence just to reflect and take note of whatever has come to you during this time. God, we thank you for your word, for this story 
from which we too can ground ourselves. And we thank you that Christ is with us, that we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we can pay attention to the ways in which you move within our being. Would we grow to trust your spirit through the sensations within our bodies to be able to respond to you, to be grounded in your love and care, to grow in being able to resist that which is false or slandering or opposing to you, God. Amen. You may return to your seat or stand in your circle if you'd like. That's totally fine. You can use your string at home if you'd like. Practice it. Maybe while you read some other passages. Pay attention and grow. Um, in your ability to notice what's happening in your body. As we journey together, I want to encourage us to draw from what we know to be true, not only in our heads, but in our hearts and in our bodies. As we continue to caravan on this journey of faith together, on this journey of being contemplative activists, let us be settled in the spirit to resist. Let us face pain that mends and can build our capacity for growth. Let us choose integrity over fear in this world that is full of struggle and pain and injustice. Let us too pull from the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and from the resilience that is built up in us by virtue of who we are as beloved by God and what we are called to do into the future. Sometimes I think we can forget that we each make a difference. So in the words of the Dalai Lama, I'd like to remind us, if you think you are too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. Now, each of us can make a positive difference in the life of those around us, here in this community, but also in our homes, in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, our community, and our world. The good news is that in the rugged and solitary places, in the wilderness of our days and in this life, we are not alone. We caravan with one another, settled in the spirit to resist. Amen. You can turn to the Lord's Table Liturgy.
or scroll to the Lord's Table liturgy. As a reminder, um, we have the offering basket online. You are welcome to click over to if you have tithe or offering you would like to give. Um, there are also uh, opportunities within the chat on Zoom. If any of you have prayer requests, you're welcome to put those in the chat. And then Brenda is going to lead us in another song as a response um, as well. As we gather to celebrate this day, as we remember the gifts Jesus shared, we proclaim that faith, which is a mystery, Christ died, his last breath stolen from him. Christ was raised, the Spirit's breath bringing new life. Christ will come, breathing new grace and hope in our lives. Here, where the bread and the cup await, Breathe your spirit upon these gifts. Here, where the young long for visions and the old whisper their memories, breathe your spirit upon us, holy God. Let us not be content simply to eat the bread, but to be strengthened by it. Let us not just sip from grace's cup, but be inflamed by its passion for justice, to breathe new life.